21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Then, sorry, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, And said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now I... 
We said last week that the 21st chapter of John is like an appendix. The first 20 chapters are his treatise, his gospel tract, his writing to persuade all that Jesus is the Christ, that they might believe on him. And it, it ends. This is the end, right? These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And chapter 21 is written for believers and uh, those that have believed. And it, it's a further revelation of Christ. Last week, as we remembered the Lord's death, we were looking at his resurrection and who he is. Um, Jesus rose from the dead. But, <laughs> and this is fresh in my mind because, uh, you know, my conversation at length with a, a Muslim, and he talked about God in ad- abstract terms. Jesus Christ is God near. God manifest in the flesh. Uh, has, have I been so long time with you, and hast thou not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Uh, God not afar off, an aloof, austere, unknowable, cold, and terrible figure, but a God very near and tender and affectionate, known and knowable. Uh, this is... This is a part of why Christ came. Here he manifests himself to his disciples. And there's, there's so much for us in, in what the Lord Jesus has done here. Uh, now, there's perhaps a number of things that we might puzzle over. And uh, perhaps we'll, we'll look at them for a little bit. Uh, and then get into the, the central things. Um, there were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples. Do you have a pause and wonder? He forgot their names? These are of the twelve, now eleven. He's been with them for years. And... <laughs> They're just like second-rate apostles. They're not worth a mention. Who? What's going on? And two other of his disciples. I won't trouble you with some idle speculations as to why. Uh, some, some of the, you know, who, who those two were and so on. Could have been anybody, right? Um, but would you agree with me that the most reasonable conclusion is that it was of the twelve? I mean, arguably, well, what about the two on the road to Emmaus? Well, in any case, two of the traveling disciples, those that followed the Lord wherever he went all the time. Maybe um, uh, Matthias, maybe, was one. Don't know for sure. But why didn't John mention that? All sorts of disciples come in for their names being mentioned. And uh, I would submit it simply this, so that you can, uh, it is John's way of not identifying himself by name. He says the two sons of Zebedee, rather than James and John, two other of his disciples. And remember, throughout the entire book, John doesn't want to refer to himself by name at all, but that disciple whom Jesus loved. And so he throws two names in there, or leaves two names out, and now he gets to not identify himself because he was one of them that was there. That disciple whom Jesus loved, it's one of the five mentioned or the two unnamed. And uh, a bit of modesty on his part, I think so, in any case, as to why he doesn't name these two others. Not because he didn't know their names. Is it possible he would have been there fishing with them and didn't know their names? Or that they weren't important. It's a way of, uh, of helping John. Because as much as John writes about himself, he never wants to name himself. He names Peter. Peter's pretty central. 
But uh, he doesn't want to name himself as, um, as anything. He wants to write about the Lord Jesus. And so rather than call himself by name and present himself, hey, it's me, John, again, that disciple whom Jesus loved. It's not that it wasn't true of all the others. It's just how he liked to think of himself. Uh, loved of Christ. You know, brethren, that would be handy for handy. That would be very edifying for you to think of yourself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus. Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And then Jesus gave his response and then John writes, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. He loved all of them. It was a, um, John is inviting us to think of ourselves and each other as those whom Jesus loves. Think of yourself that way. You're a disciple whom Jesus loves. He loves you. He knows you by name and he loves you. Uh, but these are here unnamed by John uh, so that he doesn't have to name himself. Now, <laughs> on the, um, in chapter 20, the Lord appeared. It's recorded twice that he appeared to them on the Lord's Day. The first day of the week, um, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And then he appeared to the twelve, um, except they were minus two. Thomas was off moping, and Judas uh, was off inventing his own destructive religion of self-destruction. Uh, so there were ten there, but referred to as the twelve because that was the company gathered together on purpose. And uh, the Lord appears to them the first time uh, when without Thomas, and the second time with Thomas there. And notice, he is um, unmistakable, right, in John chapter 20. He showed them his hands and his side in verse, uh, verse 20. Uh, and then again in... Um, Verse 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. The uh, count John is writing there, and at the end, verse 31, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The resurrection, right? The death of Jesus for sins. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And... Um, uh, he died for sins and he rose from the dead. And then he proves to them that he's risen from the dead. They'd seen him die. They could see, behold, right? Luke records, I think. Behold me. That they were terrified. They thought they saw a spirit. Uh, behold, that it is I myself. Handle me. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. He made it clear. He showed them his hands and his side. Um, and they became convinced of the fact of the resurrection. This is important to understand in this day. <laughs> Again, I'm referring to a bit to my uh, conversation earlier in the week where people want to challenge that. These men faced torture and torturous deaths because of their conviction, their confidence in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Say, well, people will die for their, what, for their beliefs. Yes, that's right. But they don't die for something they know is a lie. All they would have had to do is admit, you know, well, okay, we made it up. And they would have been let off. Nobody dies for something they know is not true. They were going to face horrible tortures. 
And the Lord removed from them all doubt. But he wanted them to come to a place of faith, not sight. Right? Um, and this is why he reproved Thomas. Thomas, you should have believed the others. In the law, the testimony of two men is sure. And you had the testimony of ten. And what was Thomas? Unless I see and put my hands in, I will not believe. Because Thomas was an apostle, and he needed to be a witness of the resurrection, and he was so set, then the Lord appeared to him. He thrust his hand into this. Well, he doesn't say that he did actually. Thomas was ashamed by now. Now, you and I don't get that. All right, the Lord, if you say, unless I get to do what Thomas had, I'm not believing. Well, you are consigning yourself to damnation. Um, the Lord wants uh, people to believe the gospel. Brother and sister, friend, you cannot be saved by sight. I'll take a moment to explain this to people. The soul can only be saved through faith. Um, people cannot have their hearts made pure by sight. Do you understand that? Do you understand why that is? I worked with a man, a fellow teacher. He was an interesting man. I liked him, a very likable man. Probably the most intelligent person I've ever met. And quite a character. And not pretentious about it either you wouldn't know unless you got to know him. very well educated although you wouldn't know that either and he said I'm a, I believe in the psychology of the gun you put a gun to someone's head you can get them to do anything you want right uh, he wasn't a violent man it was, he's, <laughs> but he'd come out with these philosophical statements just think with me for a while let's go over to one of the worst uh, or most iniquitous cities in our country probably uh, Toronto wouldn't that be Big city uh, in the greater Toronto area. What is it? Over 5 million people? Maybe 7 in the greater Toronto area. I guess that would include Mississauga. Nearly a million in Mississauga. Below. The evil, the sins. If we could see all of the sins that happened just for one night, we probably wouldn't be able to sleep for the rest of the year. The wickedness. Now, just imagine from me, for, with me if you will, um, Hovering maybe a thousand feet above the streets of Toronto. A thousand foot tall angel with a flaming sword. And every time somebody committed a sin. He'd point the sword and fire would flame forth from the sword and just kill the person. How long do you think before people in Toronto stopped sinning? Well... The ones that weren't would stop, don't you think? Be a lot fewer sinners. I don't mean a guy gets a bit grouchy kind of sin, but you know, the big ones. The adultery, the wickedness. What do you think? Drunkenness? I think there'd be a lot of people that would smarten up. It might take a week and you, you wouldn't have even parking tickets to worry about, right? People would be terrified but orderly. But their hearts would be unchanged. That's the thing. You remove the angel. You let a month go by and nobody dies for their sin. And they'd be right back at it. Isn't that right? It's human nature. Because their hearts are unchanged. But through faith, God can purify your heart. This is a mechanism. It's through believing the gospel. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to, to fully explain but it makes the heart pure. Heart is purified by faith. Even Peter said that. God put no difference between us and them. Purifying their hearts by faith. He really made their hearts pure. But he did it by faith. And this is what the Lord wants. And he upbraids Thomas. He does it. He does it you know, Thomas was ashamed. Here Thomas. Be not faithless but believing. Thomas smitten falls down in worship my Lord and my God now if we look at that and look then in chapter 21 in verse 14 this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead now that's very instructive to us 
Let's count the most obvious ones. Mary Magdalene, right? It's one. The two on the road to Emmaus, that's two. The Lord hath risen indeed and appeared to Simon, three. Then that evening with the ten, four. Then the following Sunday, five. Now the Sea of Tiberias, six for sure, right? But it says this is a third time. We have to understand what John is writing. He said, this is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples, to them as a group. They had seven there, which is over half and therefore representative of the whole group. He's not counting Mary Magdalene. That was a singular appearance. And, this, and, the, and the ladies, seven, the, the, the rest of them on their way. Um, he wasn't counting those. The two on the road to Emmaus. These are private appearances. This is the third time Jesus is appearing to the assembly. That's the point that John is making. Not the third time he's appeared to anybody. The third time he has come to them when they are assembled together. All right? Now, the two that are mentioned in chapter 20 are representative of church assembly. They're gathered together on the Lord's day. And Jesus stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. Twice, each, each Sunday by Sunday. Stood in the midst and saith, Peace be unto you. Wonderful. A wonderful picture of the assembly of God's people on the Lord's day. Jesus, it said, where two or three are gathered. I know it was in the context of church discipline. But I'll say this. If he's gathered with believers in the context of church discipline, you think he doesn't gather with them? When they're there for worship. Jesus in the midst of his church. Ministering peace. Every gathering. But here. In chapter 21. They had gone off. Not into sin per se. But into their own works. Alright. Simon Peter said. I go a fishing. Now, I know commentators want to say, well, this is normal. They need to, you know, work and it's proper use of time and all of those things. But no, this was not appropriate. Think with me, if you will, to the call of Elisha. How many of us remember the story of Elisha the prophet? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he was the last. And Elijah walked by and cast his mantle upon him. And Elisha recognized it as a call to the ministry. And he said, let me you know, go and tidy up family affairs. Elijah said, well, go on back. What have I done to you? If your heart's not in it. And Elisha went and he slew his ox. And he used his instruments to burn the, the ox, to cook the ox. And he fed the, the um, uh, meal to the rest of his uh, fellow workers. Isn't that right? Sir? Should we look it up? Maybe I'm getting it wrong. The main point is clear. He burned his bridges. He, he eliminated. There's no going back to this. He's a poor man and he's gotten rid of all of his tools. And he doesn't have the money to buy them again. He was called to be a prophet. And he was making sure that there was no turning back. And this was a known thing. When the Lord called Simon Peter, he knew he was called to the ministry. And there's no going back. He was separated unto the gospel. And here he is. Um, the Lord has appeared to them twice, to him three times. Uh, and few days, not a month. Remember, it's only 40 days till Pentecost few days and um, he's got we're going to do something here I'm going fishing I'm going back to do what I know I'm going back listen to my own works um, <laughs> he hadn't yet learned to wait on God this is a thing God, he, Peter was an impulsive impetuous man he had to be doing 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 
And um, they were together. He said, I'm going fishing. And hey, we're going with you. And so now this apostle Peter, he's led the whole assembly off onto their own works. They've joined him in their own works. You could apply it also. He's gone off into his own bright ideas. Where did he get this idea? It wasn't from the Spirit of God. Peter had done worse even after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And this is not slag Peter. He's, you know, we get to see Peter's mistakes. I think all of them. They were very few. I'm in no position to criticize him. But those errors that he did make are written for our instruction. When he was at Antioch and, and the, the brothers came from James and then he kind of wanted to pretend that he was a good you know, Jew and keeping away from the Gentiles. The other disciples were carried away with him, even Barnabas. And Paul had to stand forth and rebuke them all. Remember? Re- re- uh, withstand Peter to the face. So this is the kind of thing that's going on here. Um, Peter's gone off back to what he knew. Back to his good works and back to laboring as he knew and uh, he drew the others with him when the morning was now come this i would understand to be later than the morning of the resurrection sunshine i don't say high in the sky but it just says the morning was now come jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was jesus they didn't recognize him. Well, you could say there's distance. It's um, how many? Was it 200 cubits? About 100 yards. Yeah, 200 cubits. About 100 yards. Right? Cubits about a foot and a half. That's 300 feet. 100 yards, 300 feet. Roughly that. Just under 100 meters from shore. The morning light, it's not yet bright. You could say he didn't, he, they couldn't make out who it was. They didn't know it was Jesus, just a man on the shore. And again, <laughs> this is similar to Mary Magdalene on the resurrection morning. Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. They didn't recognize children. Now this is a rabbinical way, a master speaking to his disciples. The Lord had said that to them earlier. John records it. Little children, these things. <laughs> or is it... Um, Love one another. As I have loved you earlier, I'm not going to put my eye on it. Children, have you any meat? They didn't recognize him. No. <laughs> so absorbed in their own works, they, don't, they didn't recognize the Lord when they saw him. They didn't recognize him when they heard him. You're seeing a pattern here. Mary was so absorbed with her own grief, she didn't recognize the Lord. The disciples were so absorbed with their own work, they didn't recognize the Lord. They didn't perceive his presence. They didn't discern his voice. Now these principles apply to us today. It is possible for us to either be absorbed with our own grief or absorbed with our own work that we don't perceive the Lord. That it's him. We don't perceive that it's him speaking to us. He saith unto them, he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. Now, <laughs> earlier, in their, very early in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus, early days, he had borrowed the boat, Simon's boat, in the morning and uh, thrust out a little from the land and And he taught from the boat. You can understand it gives him a bit of distance from the crowd and the acoustics of the water. Anyone ever been on a lake? Uh, Cottage lake or something? It's fascinating. If the water's still, you can speak so long and you hear the person like they're right beside you or they can talk. The acoustics are perfect. There he is. He's teaching the people. And then when he's done, he says to Peter, thrust out a little from the land. And let down the nets for a draft. And he said, Master, we've toiled all the night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. And the great dragon fish, and he depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. There, Peter was obeying the instructions of the Master as a good disciple. But here, it wasn't that. They still didn't know it was the Lord. It's just like, what have we got to lose, guys? You know? On the right side, 
they had probably, you know, the boat was probably parallel to the shore and they'd been fishing on the deep side and this would be the right side, would be closer to shore, which you're not usually going to catch the fish there, but come on, fellas, why not? Because they didn't know it was the Lord. It wasn't the same kind of obedience. Here, <laughs> the Lord Jesus is speaking to them and they obey almost by accident. Hmm. Such grace, I suppose, God working in Peter's impulses. Why not? And, uh, and now they were not able to draw it to, for the multitude of fishes. And John recognizes this. John <laughs> makes a connection. John remembered when the Lord had done this. And he says to Peter, it's the Lord. Now understand what John has done. John didn't recognize his form. So, oh, it's a bit brighter now. Oh, I, I know the shape of that nose. It wasn't that. Oh yeah, I remember the sound of that voice. John recognized by what God had done in their lives that it was the Lord. The others were still so absorbed with their work that something's happening in their life that has only ever happened once before and it was clearly a miracle of God and they still didn't recognize it was the Lord speaking to them. It's a dangerous thing to get into as a church, eh, brethren? Uh, to be so off track and taken up with our own works, um, our own good works, laboring for the Lord, or just our own jobs, laboring for ourselves, to keep ourselves occupied. So absorbed in our own work that we don't recognize the hand of God in our lives. We don't recognize the voice of God speaking to us. Don't recognize the form, the things that we see that represent the manifestation of Christ. These are believers these are those who are messengers of the resurrection. Jesus in the midst speaking peace to you. And they've become absorbed with the things of this earth and don't recognize him. And just as he did with Mary, he keeps upping it. First he was there just unspoken. Perceptible to the uh, reflective soul. I wonder if they had just stopped from their labors and looked at that form. I wonder if they would have remembered John looking at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. I wonder if in moment of quiet stillness and reflection they might have beheld him as he walked and remembered that and recognized him there. But they were too busy with their work. Certainly they could have, if their hearts were quiet enough, recognized children. Have you any meat? And thought, it is the Lord. But hearts so full of work that they don't recognize the Lord. These are disciples. Can I say this? These are faithful disciples. They're not in sin. They're not backslidden. They're just so full of work. They don't recognize him. And the Lord does a miracle among them that he's done only once before. <laughs> and only one of them kind of woke up. It's the Lord. Remember, this is the third time Jesus showing himself to his disciples as a group, as an assembly, after they're risen from the dead. He revealed to them the resurrection. And it's recorded. Now it's, it's, John mentions it so that we have it in our fullness. Although it didn't happen there. He's given them the Holy Ghost, so to speak. He's breathed on them. He's given them authority and a mission to preach the gospel of remission of sins. All of this has transpired. And now they have become preoccupied with work. How does this happen? Well, we've got to make money. We've got to eat. It's obvious. This is, you see the subtlety, brethren. They had not gone into sin. They have become full of work. And, uh, and here, now they recognize it's the Lord. Peter, ever impulsive. Peter's always jumping out of the boat. 
<laughs> he jumps out to walk on the water. This time he's not walking on it. He's splashing in it. Now it says he was naked. You understand. It's not. The, and you can search the scriptures on it. We haven't the time this morning. It's not that significant to spend the time on it. It doesn't mean without a stitch. He would have had parts covered that should always be covered. Whether you're with the boys or not. And, um, but you know probably shirtless and you know and so on. And so he grabs a, a fisher's coat. Some think it's a heavy overcoat. Others just the, you know, the long t-shirt to soak up the sweat and all of that. But he puts something on and jumps into the water. Um, not likely to swim. If you think of um, uh, the beach in Port Burwell, you can walk uh, 100 feet out um, in that. Or, or a couple hundred feet out. It could have well been something like that. You know, very gradual descent. It's not that you put a coat on to swim. The boat's definitely going to be quicker than you, even rowing. Um, but he jumps in. Uh, it doesn't say to drag the boat to shore, and I have no reason to think that was a reason. But that he wanted to get to the Lord. The other disciples came in a little ship. They're not far from land. Like Peter abandons them. You know, what a leader. Let's go and get all absorbed in this. Oh, it's the Lord. Bye, guys. And doesn't even say he abandons them. And he's... Well, at least his heart was in the right place, and they did follow. He'd come later, bring in the boat, um, leads them off track, and I guess he leads them back on track again. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on, and bread. What shall we eat? How are we going to... Be provided for. The Lord has a, He's got your daily bread here. He's already provided it. Peter gets to shore. And the Lord's already prepared for them. The meal. Remember Christ's teaching. Uh, say not. What shall we eat? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Brethren, are we seeking the kingdom of God? Are we earnestly, are we like the psalmist, my soul thirsteth for thee? Are we absorbed with work? It's not a sin per se, but it's not, uh, it's not as the Lord would. And he comes to us. And where he calls us to himself. In fact, this case, the, just recognizing him was to recognize the call. And as soon as they're there, look, it's all provided for. Here's what you need. Fish and bread. Why are you so absorbed in the work? Now, he doesn't have to say these things. It's self-evident. And look at his grace. Verse 10. Bring of the fish which ye ye have now caught. He didn't need it. Do you see this Lord Jesus? God is love. He didn't just lecture them, scold them. He's not a mean, angry person. So compassionate on Frail humanity. Bring of the fish that you've now caught. I don't need any of it. But since you've spent so much time fishing and didn't catch anything and I've given you some, you bring some of those as well. Bring. Is that right? There's already fish and bread there. It's not that he needed it. Isn't it gracious of God to ask of us to contribute from our labors that he has blessed and prospered? Include us in these things. Even the labor of our hands. How gracious. Now Peter again charges off. You know this is why I say he's a big man. Perhaps the others were helping. But John's writing. Peter's not. It's not like Peter saying you know I'm the man. I'm a he man. Peter went now and, and drew the net to land full of great fishes. You can just see Peter right. He's there. It's the Lord in the water. Bring of the fish. Oh, you know. What a way to respond to the Lord. No delay. With all his might. Isn't that the way, brother? 
When he's gone off track, I'm going fishing. As soon as he knows he's off, bang, he's back to the Lord. Doesn't dilly-dally around, as they say. There he is, bringing it. And they drew the net to land, full of great fishes, 150 and 3. What's the significance of that? Well, honestly, or candidly, I don't have any understanding of the significance of the number 153, if there is one. But what it does tell you is that they were there long enough to count the fish. It didn't say about 100, or about 200, or about 150. 153 is a specific number. It tells you a little bit about the day. They counted all the fish. Um, (laughs) While the Lord was there. What they did with that, I don't know. Did they sell it? Did they give it to the poor? Did they set up a market that day? I don't know what they would have done. But it shows us the graciousness of the Lord Jesus. You've gone off track. You've spent your time, fruitlessly I might add, by the providence of God. So that you might learn that that's entirely unnecessary. Give yourself to that which I have called you to. And I'll provide what you need. Now, since you've been so busy and been fruitless, I'm going to bless you there. Let you have some success. Now you bring it here. Let's look at it together. Isn't he gracious? He counted them, 153. Remember earlier, they drew the thing to land. They just let it go and they left all and followed him. Anyone? Free fish, you know. (laughs) Crowd of people, a net full of fish. It wouldn't have gone to waste. Loads of people would have helped themselves. But here... They're all alone, the Lord on the land and them. They count. Perhaps they would have, he would have had them go and distribute it to the poor. Who knows? Uh, he says, bring some of it. Come and dine. Now, that means come and eat. It doesn't mean it was supper time, like evening meal. It just means come and eat. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Now. Clearly. Jesus was not. In the. um, In the same facial features. That they were used to. I would think so. Otherwise the notion of asking. Who are you wouldn't even have been there. Remember, um, the other gospel writers say he appeared in another form. Why, in the first two times did, when Jesus appeared, he not only was in the same face, shows the same hands, side. Unmistakable. But here, he wants them to recognize by the heart. See, he's leading. You see that? He... They didn't dare ask, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. They had recognized him by how he conducted himself. By his ways. This is where God wants us to come. The heart, right? This is what Paul said to this, those heathen. He, he's determined the times before appointed and the bounds of our habitation. right? That men might seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. So many people want their proofs, whether of logic or of sight, of science or of mathematics, so they can know for sure. But God wants a beating heart of love. And they, they, they were too, um, it says they didn't dare. You know, that insecurity, that unbelief, just want to make sure. It's obvious it's the Lord. Look what he's done. This is the place he wants to bring them. Before he's shown them his hands on his side. But he wants them to learn to walk and to recognize by faith. Do you see that? brother? There's no, there's no hands and sides shown here. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. He gave them infallible proofs of his resurrection. Sight. But he's leading them to a greater thing than sight. 
is to recognize him by how he speaks, by how he walks, by what he does. Um, which is a much greater way of recognizing the Lord. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples. He showed them himself as the one risen from the dead. He, he speaks to John in the Revelation. Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. The risen Christ. Christ is risen. Right? The Lord is risen. The early Christians took it up as a greeting. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And this other greeting. Peace to you. Right? The Jews had that. Shalom. Uh, Muslims have, have uh, borrowed uh, a similar one. Uh, salam. Peace. They have a phrase. <clears throat> but here he shows himself to them as his shepherd. Right? If you stray, I'm coming to bring you back in line. Uh, you believe and have life through his name. But you need to follow him. And that's where we're going uh, afterwards. Follow him. Don't just believe on him. Follow him. This is the lesson for the believers. John chapter 20 finishes. These are written that ye might believe and that ye might have life. John 21 is written for those who do believe. And um, how to go forward from there. Now, when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Lovest thou me more than these? Now, and there are several things the Lord is doing here. Several things. Um, Lovest thou me more than these? Some take it. Do you love me more than the other disciples? In other words, do you love them or do you love me? Do you love the other disciples? Do you love me more than them? That's how some take it. And I can't say that that is wrong, but I'm not inclined that way. Um, do you love me more than these others love me? Is how I understand the Lord to be asking Peter. Because that's what Peter had professed. Though all should deny thee, yet will not I. Is saying, I love you more than all of them. Isn't that right? And the Lord is saying, Simon, do you really love me? More than these. He's humbling Peter. Getting Peter to have a, <laughs> you know, a bit of the Elijah syndrome. Only I am left. It's hard for people like that. But the Lord loves them all the same. Tenderly. Lord thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my lambs. Okay. This is what Peter had been called to. He'd been called to a great missionary um, endeavor amongst the people of God. He'd been called as a prophet, an apostle, a preacher. And the Lord is humbling Peter. You love me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. He doesn't say more than these. I do love you. All right, you feed my lambs. Why the lambs? Why the lambs first? It's humility. Something he'd been teaching them all along. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. The ignorant. The ones that don't know anything. And uh, feed my lambs. Be, Paul said this. You know I fed you with milk. Right? You're, you're, you're not so up in the high and heavenly. talking over everybody's heads. Feed my lambs. Ah. Uh, Give to the least of my disciples what they need from the word. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. These are the, the older ones. This is a full ministry for Peter uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the apostle to the Jews. He was to, to um, not be over the heads of any, 
to, to go after those that were the most ignorant, but also those that were needing, those that were established and solid. He needs to take them on, onto perfection. Lambs, sheep, the young and the old. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And then he says, feed my sheep, my flock, all of them. Young and old, um, bruised and battered, erring, whichever. Just look after the whole flock, Peter. Uh, Peter was grieved because he saith unto him, said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. There's a, a number of things happening there, brethren. All right. He was grieved because it was a third time. Well, Peter denied the Lord three times. And uh, if we're familiar with the language of the Bible, when something is done three times, it is unreversible. And the horror of Peter's denial was that there was no going back from it. He had denied the Lord irreversibly three times. Even, uh, again, Islam has borrowed borrowed some of these things from the Bible and for a man to divorce his wife he has to say three times I divorce you see it's the third time and it's it's ratified you can't go back on it Abraham God confirmed the covenant three times with Abraham Peter confirmed unchangeably that he had nothing to do with Christ and the Lord was walking him back the third time he would have remembered Three times he had denied the Lord. The Lord was healing him, humbling him, and confirming him all at the same time. Peter, are you really better than all the others? No, Lord. But I do love you. He walked him back. You you know that sore that you want to forget about? Let me just deal with it once and for all here. Let me bring it out of your own mouth. Irrevocably, I love you, Lord. He's a great shepherd, isn't he? The Lord Jesus. Great shepherd of the sheep. Lord, thou knowest I love thee. I know what some want to do with the Greek and so on, but... uh, (laughs) Well, well-intentioned, but misguided. It's got nothing to do with phileo and agape and people who like these Greek words. You search out those words and you will see that they are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. They mean the same thing in so many applications. That's not what's going on here. It's the third time uh, that he needed to be asked, Lord, you know it. Why are you going to ask? (laughs) Brother, sister, the Lord's dealing with Peter alone on his most sore spot. Is that right? He went out and wept bitterly when he denied the Lord. Remember? Uh, He denied him the cock crew. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And although that look would have said, let not your heart be troubled. He went out and wept bitterly. This was the sorest, tenderest wound in Peter and the Lord approached it and dealt with it. And he'll do it with you if you'll go on with him. Now, he completely redeems Peter from his failure. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldst. Even when it meant running from death in the garden to save your life. But when thou shalt be old, after you're finished feeding my sheep, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. You're going to go to the cross that you avoided. And you're going to crown. You're going to crown your life of service with a faithful, sacrificial death. 
because you're mine. That's what the Lord did for Peter. Later he would rise, knowing this, that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus has shown me. He is such a redeemer. He doesn't just forgive your sins. He sets right the wrongs you've done. And he lifts you out of your failure and enables you to walk a life of faithful service to him. Hallelujah. And then he says, and these are the last words of Christ that John records. Follow me. And Peter, turning about, seeth that disciple whom Jesus loved following. And saith, what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Last words of Christ that John records. Follow me. All right. Uh, He's given them work. He's given them in chapter 20. The work of the gospel. Receive the Holy Ghost. And get on with preaching the remission of sins. Right? And he deals with everything. Go off. Get busy in work. Get back at it. Here's the work I've given you. Feed my sheep. But at the end of it all. This is the thing for the disciple. Follow me. This is what Jesus says to each of us. Follow me. Well, (laughs) what shall this man do? I've told you what I want you to do. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Now follow me. And if I have something completely different for him, that's none of your business. You follow me. Brethren, this is key. The Lord's addressing this. I'm going fishing. No, you don't. You're going to follow me. What what about him? Listen, that's none of your concern. Follow me. Do you understand what the Lord is doing here? With these disciples who loved him, who believed on him, who knew he'd risen from the dead. And now he is dealing with this... um, their, their own impulses and ideas and going off on this tangent and off on that tangent. He calls them back. Children have any meat. He gathers them as a hen gathers her chicks. He has fellowship with them. Come and dine. All provided. Did you notice that Jesus cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them and the fish? He had prepared the food. He provided it, prepared it, and he served it to them. He's ministered to them. He's had fellowship with them. He's dealt with all the old lingering hurts and failures. And he says, come and follow me. That's what he's saying to us, brethren. Follow him. This is going to be the, um, the nature and how work and service for the Lord is done. It's, it's not just, oh, I know what to do next. He says, follow me. Well, brethren, on very practical levels, since the Lord is not here bodily, and he's already told them it's expedient for you, we're going to look at these things next. Uh, When we're in John. It's expedient for you that I go away. That the comforter will come. So this is carried on, this truth, follow me. And he's gone right off into the future. If I will that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. It's said in the context that he's about to ascend into heaven. And give the Holy Ghost. And that the means by which Peter was to follow Jesus. Was the same means by which you and I are to follow Jesus. By the communion of the Holy Ghost. And meditating in the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Daily at his counsel. Led of his spirit, given to the work. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, this is a commandment of Christ. Um, (laughs) We'll touch on it. Um, we, We are all of us, I think, looking to the Lord. We want more. We want revival. We want to see God move mightily. Amen? Say what? I certainly do. All right. Now, 
And of course, we want to see a mighty outpouring and things happen suddenly. Like a, you know, rain. There's no rain, all of a sudden there's rain. But there is something else in the meantime. And it may, this may be the whole thing in terms of how it occurs. Let's go earlier into some of the earlier chapters of John there. Um, Where are we? Chapter 14. Verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. That's a promise of Christ. All right, so, um, and this is a principle that carries. You want more of Jesus? Get busy doing his words. The greatest is love. But there's the last one. Follow me. How do we do that if he's ascended into heaven? Well, so we need to be seeking his face in the word and in prayer. Offering ourselves a living sacrifice. Doing everything whatsoever you do. Whether eat or drink, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, and and many have written this. Isn't it so that once you've got the big sin out of your life. Or Christ has got it out. Right? You say, well, you know, what's sin? I'm not perfect, but what's a sin? Isn't it so that the real issues of life are the self-will, the self-interest? My stuff. My preferences. What I want to be doing. It can be the most meaningless thing. But it's what I feel like doing. And I'm doing it because I feel like doing it. I'm not doing it because Jesus wants me to do it. Well, did he tell you to, you know, set the table or whatever it is? Um, no, no. <laughs> but I'm surrendered and everything I'm doing, I'm doing as worship to him. You see? That's the place for the Christian. But the place of far too many Christians is in the actual details of life, I'm doing this for me. Because I enjoy it. Because I feel like doing it. Because I want to do it. I'm not doing it because this is part of what God's call for my life is. And this is what Jesus wants me to be doing right now. This is the fundamental problem with Christians. Self-direction, self-will, selfishness, um, self-serving. And so if we want more, look, I will um, will manifest myself to him, right? I will love him, will manifest myself unto him. Look, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. This is the giving of the Holy Ghost and fellowship with God. And it's in response to someone who has responded to the, the, the word, the invitation. Come to me, yes, Lord. I love you, Lord. I just want to be with you. And I just want to do. He said, don't worry about the future. All right, I'm not, Lord. He said, seek first the kingdom. That's what I'm doing. You see that? And as our hearts pursue the life of Christ, he ministers himself by the Holy Spirit. But if we... If we pray a big prayer here, and sincerely, I'm not making light of it. And then go and live selfishly for most of the time over here. It greatly diminishes the result. And we need to labor not only in the prayer here. Let's do that. And I believe it's sincere. But brethren, let us also learn to follow him through the day. The little selfish things in a, in a day. Is that, brethren, do you know what I'm talking about? Isn't this the reality of the human condition? Selfishness. Me, my wants, under this cloak of Christianity because I'm not shouting at someone, I'm not doing something unclean. But it's, and this is what the Lord is dealing with. This is what, I'm going to fishing. Was there anything wrong with fishing? It's a noble occupation. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. You 
You occupy yourself with what I've given you to do. And everything else will fall into place. That's what he's saying. And, and as you do that in love, he will manifest and minister more of himself to us. Um, if you love me, keep my commandments. Brethren, I, I am so thankful, privileged, I believe that in our midst we have so much of that. Love one another as I have loved you. I see it everywhere among us. And Paul said we should increase in that. And that's the greatest commandment. But after he had taught all of that, the Lord talks, deals with this. Follow me. Never what will Lord do you follow me? Oh, fishing. Come. Come and, come and have some fellowship with me. Come and dine. Let me minister to all your past. Follow me. Brethren, can we do that? Each of us. Can we help each other to do that? And, uh, and so shall we be his disciples. So shall he manifest himself unto us, though not unto the world, and by God's grace, through us. And all Christians everywhere, through us, to the world. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Heavenly Father. We worship thee, Lord. Thankful for thy knowledge of us, thy compassion. Lord, so acquainted with the fleshly ways of man. Oh, strengthen our hearts, Father, to walk the way of the cross in every area and detail of life. Lord, dead to unbelief, dead to our own personalities, our own selfish loves, our own fleshly impulses, Father. Oh, Lord, cause Christ to be formed in us. We might walk as he walked. And may the zeal of thine house eat us up. Father, bless each one. And strengthen us, uh, Lord, to thy work and service. We commit each other to thy keeping power. Amen.